You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Sound the alarm. Uh, hit the panic button. Panic at the disco. Uh, Ed, I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm very worried. I'm very concerned. I don't know if you've looked at the spring training statistics right now for these Chicago White Sox. Nick Madrigal hitting an abysmal 125 with a 250 OPS. Brutal. Yasmani Grandal. Yeah, he's had seven at-bats. Hitting 143 with a 393 OPS. Have you seen that Tim Anderson's only hitting 200, Ed? Have you seen that Jose Abreu's only hitting 242 with an OPS under 700? Have you seen where we're at? You see this team all laughy and happy and joking around, and they're not winning anything, Ed. Do you believe anything I just said? Um, You called me Ed, and that is true. That is my name. <laughs> We've reached the dog days of spring training when there are no stories. So instantly you want to you wanna panic when you look at things? None of those things matter. This team's going to be really, no. really good this year. And don't worry about any of that stuff. I will say, though, Nick Madrigal's OPS might actually just be 250. The dude doesn't really have any power. <laughs> but his batting average will be much higher. Nick Madrigal, doesn't he? Like, like I feel like what Nick Madrigal's going to become is a real... He's going to have a lot of doubles. Yeah. Yeah, th- th- that's what he's going to be for his career, pretty much. Right, but you know what he's really good at is putting the ball in the opposite field. So he comes up there as a right-handed hitter, and he puts that thing into the right center field gap. And with his speed, he should stop at second most of the time. He got he got really cocky in a few games and went for third. That's how he ended up getting injured, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, last season yeah. was doing that, and he needs to be a little bit better at judging whether or not it's time to go for the triple or pull up, because that guy... Is going to hit doubles. And when you have a guy at the bottom of your lineup that's going to hit nothing but doubles or get on base and get on with probably like he's probably going to hit around 300. I mean, you think about what you're going to have at the bottom of your order. I, I wouldn't be shocked that he hits around 300. And, and he's basically a singles doubles hitter that keeps the line moving. Because imagine at the bottom of your order, like imagine being a pitcher and you've gone through all of these thumpers in this White Sox lineup. And then you get a pesky hitter like Madrigal that's going to flip things over. If, if you can't get through, and this is why we're going to talk a little bit about some of the lineup projections for the White Sox today. This is why when, when if you have Eaton down at the bottom of the lineup and you have Madrigal down at the bottom of the lineup, and you have Robert probably down towards the lower half of the lineup, I've seen a lot of projections for what their roster might look like in terms of their, their batting order. You're going to have some real speedsters that are dangerous. You're not getting a break. And when a guy like Nick Madrigal flips the order around, and now all of a sudden you got two guys on because let's say you hit two outs and Eaton finds a way to get a pesky hit and Madrigal comes up and puts one into in the right center or just drops one over to shortstop's head. Now you got two guys on with speed and here comes the batting champ two years ago who almost won it two years in a row. And right after him, it could be Osmani Grandal standing there. And then the middle of your order. Like they are going to give pitchers fits this year when it starts to click. And I don't know if it'll be like that when they first get out of the box, but there's going to be a point where that's what they're going to be. Well, and that's where, you know, as you're looking at how the team is going to line up and why you question maybe Grandal hitting second versus hitting lower in the order, or if you do see Luis Robert hitting seventh, and you're sitting there going, wait, isn't this guy supposed to be all world? Shouldn't he be hitting, you know, third or fifth or something like that? No, it's about making sure that the lineup, like you said, gives a pitcher fits all the way throughout. And 
more so than than just you know something like Eaton coming up and scratching out a hit or or Madrigal throwing one into to right center field. The thing with Madrigal that's going to drive pitchers nuts is they're not going to get a strikeout. They're not going to get you know an easy out where well, they can no, sit because back his strikes, and relax. His strike zone is about a half a foot. He's that tiny little kid in Little League that let's say you're in a playoff game and he hasn't collected a hit all year. But you send him up with the bases loaded in the bottom of the last inning because you know the guy's going to walk a run in because there's no chance of him hitting, you know, that that proverbial teacup to, to pull an old hawkism. And you call timeout like after he's gotten a strike on him and you go, hey, don't swing. Crouch. Crouch. Crouch down a little bit. And just and don't swing. <laughs> that's what Nick Madrigal is at a major league level. And he can hit. It's not quite sending up a guy with one eighth as his uh, as his jersey number, but it is you know it is going to be something where the the little shot over the shortstop's head, you know, or the line drive up the middle, and the fact that the pitcher has got to deal with that, or the fact that the ball is going to be put in play, you're going to be able to hit and run at the bottom of your lineup. You're going to be able to cause chaos on the base paths with Adam Eaton, who is a leadoff hitter type, Luis Robert, who is fast. And then you're going to bring up Tim Anderson and it's going to turn the order over. And there's, like you said, there's not going to be a break, but not only that, it's an incredibly balanced lineup. So you're not going to get a spot where you're going to have three or four guys in a row that the pitcher can just sit there and go, these guys are going to be aggressive and they're going to strike out and I can just throw garbage up there and they're going to go after it because you've got a professional hitter in Eaton. And you've got a guy in Madrigal who not only is his strike zone teeny tiny, but he doesn't swing at garbage. He swings at stuff that he can put in play, and then he puts it in play. That's his whole shtick. Let's talk a little bit about projected lineups, because I think we're starting to get a good idea of what Tony may or may not do. And, of course, the lineups in this entire show brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. Uh, Socks in the Basement wants you to call Family Waterproofing Solutions if you have any foundation issues. Let's say you got water in the basement. Let's say that you're worried about a window well maybe leaking. Maybe you got to do some work down there. Maybe you need a new sub pump. Maybe you just need somebody to check up on what's going on down there before something goes bad. If you see sidewalks like moving this year, like you're like, that sidewalk used to not be so uneven. And then after the winter it is, that's a foundational issue. Reach out to them, give them a call. They're family-owned, they're veteran-owned, and they're big Socks in the Basement supporters. They'll give you money off if you mention us. The phone number is right there on the logo for Socks in the Basement, or you can go to FAMWS.com. Now, Tony's been making some comments lately, and it suggests that the number two spot is going to be very fluid in this lineup. I think the things that you know are going to happen, in my mind, is that Tim Anderson's your one hitter, Abreu's your three, Moncada's your four, and Jimenez is your five, and, and Madrigal's your nine. Like right there, like that's those spots. Like if you had to do the one through nine, that's what I know. Okay. If somebody said, put a big bet down and you can, you can wager as much money as you want to, depending on which part of the lineup that you're most confident in. I'm very confident that the leadoff hitter is Anderson. I'm very confident that Abreu will start off the year at three. Moncada's going to start at four. That's obvious looking at what he's been doing lately. Jimenez is going to be at five and Mandrigal is going to hit ninth. That That's something that's going to happen. Assuming Vaughn starts with the team, which I think is very obvious, and you know what? We may actually see an extension with him before the year is out. I've heard I've heard rumors. I've talked with people around the team. I've talked with people that cover the team. They keep telling me, like, I'm not, don't quote me, but I think the White Sox are very close. And it doesn't mean they're going to get it, but I think that they're 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 definitely in the in the good stages there. That's what they're aiming for, and right. that's what they want to do. They want to bring Andrew Vaughn North. They don't want him to sit at the alternate site for 
for a week and a half and then have to try to justify it to not only us, yeah. but to their own team. That's going to be like, why isn't this kid here if we're really trying to win? But all of that aside, I believe if you then had to go to the other positions, what I would start the year with is I would start Grandal second. I go Anderson, Grandal, Abreu, Mancada, Jimenez, and then I would go with Vaughn. Then I go Robert, Eaton, Madrigal, because I want all that speed at the bottom and I don't want to put any pressure on Luis Robert. And the way that Luis Robert finished off the season, I don't think he's any more protection for Jimenez than Vaughn is. And I think Vaughn is just a sweet hitter. He's Even when he's down, he's actually still going to be dangerous. He's not, I don't think he's a guy that's going to be like in a long slump ever because he's just a very technical hitter, it seems like, when you watch him. And I like Rondell as an, OP, as an OPS guy and an on-base guy. But it sounds like Tony not only is considering Grandal in the two-spot, but Eaton's going to get some opportunities in the two-spot. And he's tried out Robert in the two-spot, who's also vocally said over the past week that he misses being up at the top of the order, but he understands that's Tim Anderson's spot. So you have a lot of options there at the two-spot, and I think you're going to see Tony La Russa play with that as the season begins. And whatever happens on opening day may not be what they are when he finally figures out what clicks for this team. And it might change a couple of times as the season goes on when he needs to freshen things up or there's a certain pitcher that's on the mound or a guy's really hitterish. There's going to be some flexibility in some of these positions. Well, I think it's a fallacy for a lot of people, too, that there's a set lineup every single day and that everybody plays in their specific position. I think the two spot is something Tony's going to play matchups. You can't tell me if they're facing a lefty. Let's say they're up in, in Minnesota and they're facing Hap, okay? Do you want Luis Robert sitting in that second spot and getting maybe an extra at-bat against a guy that he should absolutely destroy? Right. Absolutely. You know, by that same token, if that's the situation where you're getting, say, Jonathan LeCroix in to give Grandal a breather, you're not batting him in the second spot. You might you might be putting him eighth, something like that, Right. Uh, so it's going to depend, too, on who's got a day off, what the matchups are. And there is some fluidity throughout the lineup, I think, at all times, because it, somebody like Larusa should be able to play matchups hopefully better than what we saw Ricky Renteria doing or Robin Ventura doing. Sometimes I think those lineup changes felt like they were trying to find something and they weren't sure what they were trying to find. It just it felt random because it didn't seem to make sense in terms of the matchup. It didn't make sense in terms of who was hot. It just felt like, Aloy is going to hit cleanup for a while, because why not? Right. Well, well, think of it this way. Against a lefty, Grandal is easily the guy that you're most likely to put in a two-spot over Eaton, because Eaton hits left-handed, and Grandal actually hits lefties historically better than he hits righties. So that you, you're going to have to make little adjustments. But I think it's pretty obvious who your starters are, I think it's pretty obvious, like like I said, who your leadoff guy is, who your middle of the order is. I always thought that this team wanted Moncada to be a middle of the order guy. That was something that they used to talk about, you know, a couple of years ago. This is what they wanted from him. And I think that if he wouldn't have gotten off to such a slow start, it's something you might have seen them evolve into. Or maybe it was something the team wanted, but Ricky Renteria didn't want. But it seems very obvious that now the guys that are looking at these at, at these players, they like him in that four spot, in that cleanup spot. And as James Fox said on our last episode, and if you missed it, go back and take a look at it, it seems as though they realize that he lays off pitches that he could crush because he thinks of himself at the top of the order as, my job is to get on base, which means he's a smart baseball guy. He has a high baseball acumen that he sits there and says, hey, when I'm up at the top of the order, it's my job to get on base for the guys in the middle. But if we put him in the middle, he's going to look at that pitch differently and he's going to jack it. 
You know, he's going to he's going to pop that thing into the gap or he's going to take that thing over the wall. You know, he's going to be more aggressive in there. And that's something that they want to see out of him this year, which that also tells me that he's well and they feel very confident in that because if they didn't, he wouldn't be batting in the four spot almost every time he's in there now in spring training and he wouldn't be the guy projected to be there. Well, and it's also, I think, an indication, too, that what they're looking at now, as opposed to years past where during the the rebuild you're you're taking a guy like Abreu and you know where you're going to put him but you're trying to you are trying to feel out a little bit about who these guys are and sometimes putting guys at the top of the lineup and this is where Ricky Renteria as a rebuilding manager versus the guy that's going to take you the distance there's there's a there's a definite difference in attack because in a rebuild situation even if you view Moncada as a middle of the order guy you're going to grab him an extra handful of at-bats by batting him second, right? And if you're trying to see if this kid is the goods, you're going to do that. And I don't think he ever got out of that mindset that I want to see as much Moncada as I can get. Whereas when you're going for it, LaRusse is looking at it more like, okay, well, who are my best hitters? You know, Abreu is the third hitter on the team. You know, that's just, that's his best spot. Who makes the most sense backing him up? Is it a guy like Jimenez who profiles very similarly to Abreu? They're going to hit for a decent average. They're going to hit for a lot of power. They're going to drive in a lot of runs. They're very clutch. Or is that an opportunity to put my best all-around hitter, the best all-around hitter on my team? Because I think that is Moncada from the standpoint of high average, high power, the ability to run, the things he can do on base, his baseball IQ, as you pointed out, that acumen that he's got as far as how to attack. Do I put my best hitter in the number four spot or do I try and steal a few more at-bats by sneaking him up to second where he's going to attack things differently? I think LaRusse is looking at this from the standpoint of, one, I've got a couple of guys in the lineup I need to protect in in the new guy, Andrew Vaughn, and in Luis Robert, who still went through a very hellacious slump last year. Otherwise, I've got to spread the pain for these pitchers. And I know Nick Madrigal makes sense at the nine spot because that's always viewed as a second leadoff hitter spot. Tim Anderson has earned the right to be the leadoff hitter on this team until he proves otherwise. But yeah, my best hitter is Moncada. So batting him fourth, being able to separate, go right, left, right against a righty pitcher, that's a huge thing because you got the switch hitter in the middle of it. And and I really do think that there's going to be some fluidity in the other areas, not just because, you know, Grandal is going to make sense against a lefty versus Eaton. And, and maybe that's when, you know, Adam Engel is going to be batting eighth. But also because I think there are just going to be some pitchers that, you know, they're going to look at and go, we, we're going to need some more selectivity in the middle of the order this week. So I'm going to move Grandal down to make this guy work lower in the lineup. And I'm going to put somebody more aggressive up in the two spot because between the batting champ, we'll get an aggressive guy, but then you're going to get this murderer's row and I'm going to extend that down at the bottom. You know, I get muscle aches all the time. I've gone from being able to do whatever I want to and not feeling any pain to basically getting pain for any kind of physical activity. Good news, there's a local family-owned Southside business that provides a CBD topical that will not break the bank. Creaky Bone Balm offers concentrated relief for creaky bones. It is an effective hemp-based CBD in a rejuvenating balm. And guess what? It's made in small batches, always free of preservatives, and all natural ingredients. It's great for muscle aches, tension, inflammation, joint pain, 
You can even use it for skin ailments like burns and dry cracked skin. Right now, go to creakybone.com and use the promo code BASEMENT. Get 20% off your order. Whether it's physical activity or off-season stress, Creaky Bone's going to help you out. Use that promo code BASEMENT, 20% off your order, right now at creakybone.com. We started the show with some overreactions, Ed. You don't say. Yeah, I tried to prove a point there in, in, <laughs> yeah. in, in my in my own way about, like, maybe stop overreacting if you're worried about the team right now. But let's let's overreact in a positive way. Okay. Because uh, I, I looked at the spring training stats for this pitching staff. <laughs> They're so good. Like, you know, I know we haven't won a lot of games, but the guys that matter are so good. Like, yeah, Dylan Cease has only seen a few innings, but his whip was 0.33 over to three innings. So he's going out there and doing something incredible in those three innings that he had. Liam Hendricks is doing the exact same things, and he's a closer. All right? Cody Howard is ridiculous. He's insane. He's at a 0.43 whip. Rodon's at a 0.60. Bummer's at a 0.75. Lucas Giolito, just under 13 innings pitched. Four appearances so far in spring training. A 0.79 walks and hits per innings pitched. He's not putting anybody on, and he struck out 17 batters in 12 and two-thirds. He's not only the ace of the team, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball, and he's on your team right now. Yeah. And then look at the youngsters, what Crochet and Kopek are doing, and even one whip. They're, they're coming out of the pen. Each of them have, one of them's got five innings. That's Crochet, and Kopek has four, and they're doing like what a closer would do in terms of keeping guys off base. And that's just a few names. I mean, I, I don't want to read off everybody, but those guys actually rank 12th. They're tied for 12th, those two guys, in their in their actual whip, walks and hits per innings pitched on this team. And it's, and it's a one. Right. The guys <laughs> that matter, and there's a few guys that aren't going to make the team, but a lot of the guys that matter have looked really good. And I know Dallas Keuchel didn't have a great first start, but it was his first start. Relax. You know, I, Lance Lynn's doing what Lance Lynn does early on. He's a guy whose whip is going to sit maybe a little bit above 1.30, but eventually he's going to finish with that thing sitting in the one twos. And, and that's what he's going to do. The The pitching staff, I think, is ready for the start of the season. That, and, and that goes back to why you shouldn't worry about the end result of games. Because when the starting nine are out there and the starting pitcher is pitching and the best relievers are coming in, this team looks really, really good, even looking at the spring stats. Well, yeah, and you, you don't want to overhype based on the small sample size. No, I'm hyping. This is a segment of the show where I'm hyping unnecessarily. That was panic section. Okay. Now this is hyping section. Okay, well, let me finish my thought. You don't want to overhype <laughs> based on the stats alone. Okay. But the eyeball test, holy cow. You know, I mean, adjust your pants if you need to, folks. Because if you're watching these guys go out there, what you're watching is you are watching this pitching staff, the, the key members, like you said, the guys that are actually going north with the team. You are watching these guys go out. And just absolutely handcuff the hitters they're facing. Uh, you mentioned Dylan Cease. Okay, so it, it was you know everybody I think was curious about how the the newly reformed Dylan Cease is going to look with the the altered mechanics and you know the new focus that Ethan Katz has given him. And what he did was he went out there and you could look at the stat line and you could sit there and go, well, he only struck two guys out. But did you see anybody make solid contact against him in the three innings he was out there? No. No. And if you're watching Carlos Rodon go out there. What you're seeing that's different from Carlos Rodon, and I actually went into the MLB film room uh, on MLB.com and, and started looking at old Carlos Rodon. You're breaking down film now? Are you telling me to not only do you write mismatch socks, the blog, 
for Socks in the Basement at SocksInTheBasement.com. But now you're breaking down film like you're taking it to that level now on Socks in the Basement. I am taking it to that level because I was kind of curious because I, <laughs> I, I, I was wondering why Carlos Rodon looks so much better. And when I went into the film room, you, you put in Carlos Rodon, what you get from spring training is you get all of his strikeouts. All right. And then when you get from the past seasons is you get him giving up home runs. So all of his 2020 highlights that I could find were him giving up long balls to the Brewers last year. Okay, so you're not actually breaking down every pitch. You just searched Carlos Rodon and everything was bad that included him before. And now everything that includes him now is good is what you're saying. But you can see a difference, though. So there is a little bit of film breaking down here because when you watch Carlos Rodon get guys out with a four seam fastball this spring, when he's throwing his fastball. Right. It is crisp, it is moving, it is in the zone, and he is getting it past guys. When you watched him throw fastballs in the low lights, what you're seeing is you're seeing a guy fling a ball at the plate, and he's throwing a meatball, and it's getting crushed. He has not looked good in a while. There's a reason why we said we weren't really happy that they brought him back. There's a reason no. why we have this trepidation over him being the fifth starter. There's a reason why I think Michael Kopech's in that rotation, he's not halfway through the season. He's got to prove me wrong, because I haven't seen what you're describing over a long period of time. His norm is wait, going wait, wait, up there wait. and we're flinging supposed be, We're supposed to be hyping. This is the hype section. Yeah, you're right. This is the hype section. I'll sit here and have another sip of my IPA, and you you go ahead and hype. So what I'm saying is, is that if you're watching the team, if you're watching the team, not just following the stats, but if you're watching the team, what you're seeing is you're seeing some of these young guys do things that they did not do the last time we saw them over the course of a full season. And... It, that bodes very well because that type of stuff is you're watching spring training games. You can kind of believe your own eyes to a certain degree. So you can watch Michael Kopech go out there and throw those sliders that are making hitters just absolutely turn themselves inside out, looking stupid, taking hacks at it. Right. And you're not really worried about the fact that he's not just trying to blow a hundred miles an hour past them on the inside corner or just throw it up in the middle and, and hope like hell that they don't catch up to it, which is kind of what we saw, you know, last time we saw him pitch, which granted it's been a couple of years. So there's, there is reason to be absolutely excited about the pitching staff because they're evolving. They're, they're not just what we expect them to be. They are actually, there are guys that are actually evolving. And then, yeah, you can look at things like the fact that Evan Marshall seems to be striking out everybody that he sees and sit there and go, well, that's just awesome. Cause you know, we're not even expecting him to be, like the guy out of the pen the way he was the last two years when when you know he was one of maybe the top two guys that you expected to come out of that pen now he's three or four on the list ed we are going to cork and carry at the park on april the 10th that's opening weekend it's the saturday game I cannot wait. Oh, it's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to have your shots all done, so you're you're going to be all uh, immune and Shot, stuff in, in like every that. way, in every way, shape, and form that you can think of. I'm I'm getting uh, uh, the COVID vaccine, right. Vodka and distemper, so I should be <laughs> completely fine. <laughs> it's going to be awesome, and uh, and so we're going to have so much fun. We're going to be doing pregame starting at 11 o'clock in the morning for the 110 start. And we're going to be right in the shadow of the rate at 33rd in Princeton at Cork and Carrier at the park. And, and you can go over there and eat some great food. They got award-winning burgers. Like, here's the thing. If you go to Cork and Carrier at the park, you can get all your ballpark on. Like, even if you can't get in the ballpark. So think of it this way. We're going to have the pregame. We're going to record yep. a show. We're actually going to be yep. live. We're going to go live, I've decided. We're going live on the Podbean app that we're day. We're doing it live. From right. Cork and Carrier at the park. And then we'll put that show on demand for people to listen to later. 
or at least a shortened version of it or whatever, you can come out and actually watch it and participate in the show. We're going to set up a microphone for people to be able to step up and ask questions. And we're going to talk with all the people out there and have a big party before the whole thing starts. Then the game will start. Those with tickets will go over there. The rest of us are going to sit around and going to watch a game on one of the many TVs and enjoy all the food. And they've got great ballpark food inside the place. And they've got some gourmet stuff. Their their burgers are award-winning. They've got the uh, the pulled pork as well. And uh, they got great wings over there. They've, they, they've got everything. Whatever you like, they've got at Cork and Carry at the Park. It should be a fun Saturday. That is on April the 10th, 33rd in Princeton. Show up early because I'm sure there's capacity limits at Cork and Carry at the Park. Of course. I mean, things are getting better, but it's not over yet. And it should be an awful good time. Make sure that you are there with us, 33rd and Princeton at Cork and Carry at the Park. And remember, they're open right now. You can stop in there before the season even starts. You can go there before and after any game that you want to go there. You can go there during a game. So uh, look forward to that. We'll see everybody out there on April the 10th. All right, let's talk about some some goofy rumors that I've heard. Because this is the dog days of spring training. It really is. I mean, and you know what? First of all, the best story of White Sox spring training is that there is no story. Like, as you approached White Sox spring training, it was, well, is Andrew Vaughn good enough? Well, yep. he looks he looks really good. Uh, will Tony La Russa get along with his 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 players? Yeah, it seems yep. like they really love him. It seems like they're, like, super excited to have him around. Uh, will, will, will all these acquisitions, like, actually look good? Yeah, yeah, everybody yep. that we brought yep. in looks, yep. looks amazing. What about Ethan Katz? Do you think that he'll uh, have an impact on some of these pitchers? Yep. yep. Looks like he yep. was a he was a great uh-huh. choice. The non-stories is really the story of White Sox spring training. It is has been almost a flawless camp to date, and everybody seems ready to go, and it should be an awful lot of fun. And now we're hearing like little rumors that get, you know, sent to us here at Sox in the basement. We talk to people that cover the team, and they'll tell me something like, hey, you know, I'm hearing this. But I can't talk about it yet. Well, let's let's talk about some of the things that they're hearing. Yes. Without naming names and without outing anybody. Let's yeah. And this is a really interesting one that's been floated to me now. Is that the White Sox have money in reserve that they didn't use in the offseason. And that money is for the mid season trade deadline. Not only if they have to take on a really bad contract, but they've actually thought or kicked around the idea, and I don't know if this is true, this is a rumor, but I've heard this now from two different people who covered a team that the thought is, well, what if we get like a deal like with Alex Rios where somebody just posts him up there and he's worth like, you know, his contract's really expensive and then we just take it and they just let him go to get out from underneath the contract. Cause there's so many teams that are hurting this year. And while on one hand, that seems like that's like a really smooth, smart move. Like the idea that there are teams that are hurting that are just going to post a player and you're like, yeah, we could take him because we got the money. And we're just going to eat that contract because, you know, we'll just grab a guy off of waivers. But then on the other hand, like, weren't there guys out there that you could have signed for that kind of money or maybe less? That was a that was a weird rumor to me when I heard that. I can see two sides of it now that that we're seeing the team come together. On one hand, I can see where going out and getting a DH, if you're based on what we're seeing from Andrew Vaughn, I can understand not paying for that unless you think you really need it. And maybe by midseason, maybe Vaughn has scuffled. Maybe he's shown that he's not quite ready or something like that. And then you can you have that money to go out and get a DH. Or maybe you have an injury. You have Adam Eaton get injured, and Adam Engel is really not an everyday player, and he shows Whoa, that. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Adam Eaton gets injured? That's not possible. I know, that, right? guy, that guy's always on the field. He's an Iron Man. <laughs> um, he's Iron Man at the end of 
you know, end game. But Depth, Iron I mean, Man. listen, listen, we we laugh about it. Depth is the biggest scare for the White Sox. National writers who look at the White Sox when they try to find a hole in the White Sox say the same thing that we've been saying now for months on this show. I was about to say, I national writers are stealing my stuff, man. Mismatched socks. We, we said <laughs> no depth at the start of spring training. That's the only thing that they have. That's uh, the only thing that, that that is their Achilles heel. Like everybody has a weakness, right? Even Superman died in uh, Batman versus Superman, that, uh, that movie, and then was resurrected in what is now the only Justice League, which is the, uh, the Snyder Cut, which I watched right. for four hours the other day and lost my entire day trying to watch it. And I'll never watch it again because it's so long, but it was really good. But I mean, even Superman has had, had kryptonite. The, the White Sox kryptonite, along with the fact they have a bunch of rookies or guys that their rookie year was a shortened season. So they're really like a little bit better than a rookie. Okay, but they also have a depth problem. And th- and that's the thing that we'll all be watching this year. Like an injury can really change this team. Well, and that's I think that's the other part of it is that you know, when you're talking about holding on for for money for mid-season, you're it's it's injury proofing the team and it's making sure that you don't suffer something catastrophic because the depth is so very very shallow on this team and and you're going to need someone more proven than Luis Gonzalez to come in and take over right field, you know, and, and if there's a, and I'm picking on Adam Eaton, not because he's just because he tends to get hurt over his career, but just as an example of where, yes, you could have signed Eddie Rosario and had him there as a DH and had him there, you know, to, to play right field potentially, but it's going to make a lot more sense for them to go and then say, look, team that's scuffling that has this expensive right fielder that we could totally and completely use right now we're not going to give you a great player in return for this guy, but we're taking this money off of you. So come and trade him to us. Yeah. As you said, Ed, in one of your more recent articles at mismatch socks at socksandbasement.com and go check it out. If you, uh, if you have not before, cause Ed's stuff is really funny and also very, very informative. He really breaks things down. It's a great companion for this show. Check that out again at socksandbasement.com. But as, as you said, if you get into the ballpark, spend money. Just just make sure that Jerry has enough money for when we need it. Because yes. that we need that. Like as a fan base, we need that. And I don't know if a GoFundMe account is going to be enough. So get out there, buy your hot dogs, buy your beers. Uh, I know we already lead all of Major League Baseball with the most beer consumption, most alcohol consumption in a game, but it might be time to double that. Let's and put some if, distance between us and number two, shall yeah, we, guys? Let's, let's really start blowing people out here, folks. Yeah. All right? Let's, like, I mean, like, look, hey, you know, there's Uber now. Go, let's get out there and really prove what we can do. I know, I know we're all itching to do it. And coming out of a pandemic, let's be honest, we've all been mixing our drinks very strongly. And uh, a lot of us have a liquor habit now that we didn't have a year ago. To get into the spring training hype season here... It's spring training for the fans, too, all right? If our pitchers can evolve under Ethan Katz, we can evolve under Modelo. Yeah, it's time for another beer. I'm, I'm evolving right here as we speak. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.